Hey, good morning, church. Welcome, welcome. I just crawled up my scaffolding here at the church. If you see my feet flip over on sometime during the video, I'm gone. Anyways, well, welcome to church. I'm glad we can be together today. And um, it's, we're celebrating Memorial Day weekend. I want to talk a little bit about that uh, this morning. But hey, right out of the gate, I want to talk about a couple of things. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going out there right now about reopening. And I sent out an email yesterday and just want to reassure you, um, RCC, that we are plugged in and trying to figure out as we go, we're navigating along with you, along with our local authorities, along with Foursquare, and um, just on how to reopen. Uh, we are going to continue live streaming for a little bit. And then as things begin to open slowly, we will take those steps. So stay tuned. Just want you to know that Whatever we do, we're going to step forward with wisdom and care. We really want to care for one another and during this process. And so just want you to know that, be reassured uh, that we're plugged in. Our heads are not, are not in the sand. We are totally focused on Jesus. And he has been so good to lead us during this time. And so he'll continue. He's faithful. Amen. Amen. Hey, it is Memorial Day weekend, and it's the weekend that our country sets aside to remember and to honor uh, those who have fallen and uh, in, in the midst of serving us, serving us as a country. And so this is a chance for us to remember uh, what they've done for us. And so, hey, I just wanted to say real quick, if you're watching and you served in the military, um, text me real quick. I want to be able to say your name and honor you. I know some of you. Um, but I don't want to leave out any of you this morning. So um, tell us uh, what branch of the military you served in and um, even give us the years. I think that would be really fascinating. So um, just really want to honor you this morning and we want to remember you. You know, a lot of times we think of Memorial Day weekend as, oh, it's the kind of the older generation that has passed on. But I saw this empowering uh, picture yesterday of a young family, a young mom with her little baby, and she had a blanket laid down next to the tombstone of her husband, who just recently um, passed away um, in the military, um, died in the line of duty, and uh, she just laying down um, as a family, and it was just heartbreaking. So it's not just the old that have gone before that we remember, but it's it's the young who have laid down and sacrificed their lives for us, and so. It's a weekend for us to remember, but it's also a weekend for us to celebrate and be thankful to those families. And so just think of that. If you're in our community, which many of you are, it's a powerful drive to drive through Tahoma National Cemetery with all the flags are up this weekend. Um, it's a moving experience. And so I invite you to do that. Um, get out of your, you don't have to get out of your car, your social distance, your windows are up. Maybe your gloves are on and your face mask is on in your car. Don't get me started on that. But um, anyways, yeah, drive, drive through Memorial, um, Tahoma Memorial Cemetery and um, be moved and allow the Lord to really speak to you. And then like when I drive through, it's just a reminder for me to pray for those families who have lost loved ones um, on our behalf, on our behalf. So a few of you are texting me right now. Uh, my phone number is 206-941-0959, and text me what branch of military uh, you're in. I'm getting text right now. I just, again, I want to honor you, and, and I just want to do that. 
Bill Collins, 1968 to 1971. You're a U.S. Army man, so thank you, Bill. Eric Munch, 86 through 92, uh, National Guard, thank you, Eric. Rick Haygreen, um, grateful to serve in the U.S. Navy from 77 to 83, thank you. Mike Perry, you were in the Navy, thank you, Mike. Um, I know Hank, uh, you were U.S. Army uh, during Vietnam, thank you, Hank, for serving. My dad, who's gone before us, he's actually buried at the Tahoma. He was in the Korean War, and uh, he was in the Navy. Um, Rocky uh, was in the Army, I believe his Army. So thank you, Rocky, who's gone before us already. And uh, so thank you for those of you that serve and have served and are currently serving. Isaac Munch, I hope you're watching. You should be watching. Um, thank you for serving right now in the Air Force. And so thank you for doing that and serving, serving us. Gordon Lindstrom. 1965 to 1967 in the Army. Thank you for serving, Gordon. Hey, I wanted to uh, say to you this morning also, I have a lot to say, right? Um, it, would you pick up your phones this morning and invite somebody to church? Tell them to tune in to Facebook. Uh, they can look up Brinton Christian Center and uh, find us. And uh, it's really important that we invite people to church. Amen. Uh, even though we're not meeting in this building, we are still meeting. And so that's really important that we're gathered together. So invite somebody to church. Tell them to come and join us uh, today. And we're going to learn a lot just about the early church and how we can apply that to us uh, today. Wow, so good. Hey, church, we're going to jump right back into the book of Acts uh, this morning. And I look at the clock and like, well, we're going to go a little bit long today. But um, the nice thing about it, if you're watching live, you're stuck with me. If you're not watching live, you can fast forward however you want to do that. So, hey, turn, grab your Bibles. I encourage you to do that. Um, it, it's so awesome to be able to hold his word, the words of God himself, hold, holding them in our hands. And so if you don't have your Bibles this morning, grab it, would you? Would you grab it? And the other encouragement I want to uh, say this morning is, a lot of us have our Bible apps. I use mine all the time, all the time. But there is a strength and a power when you actually pick up. I don't know what it is, but it is the word of God when you actually pick it up in your hands. And so I encourage you to uh, go out and get yourself a Bible and, um, and have it. Read it. Read actually out of the words on, a, on, on the written pages. And so I just encourage you. I know I'm a little old school. Um, I encourage you, you can, I know, just underline it, scribble right, right in the margins, just as the Lord speaks to you. Uh, so, hey, turn, to your, uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. We're in chapter two. It's a, I was going to use the word crazy, and there is, it's a crazy scene. But it, again, it's a passage that has been being unpacked by the church for the last 2,000 years. And, you know, what I want to do is I feel like I need to do is I just need to illuminate a little bit for you and then encourage you. Would you dive into his word and would you jump in and read these stories and spend time meditating and thinking through what God was doing in the lives of his early church? But then we serve a God who is not just way back there, not just bound to pages, but we serve a God who is here with us today. 
And so that same God who was doing those things back then will, will do and is doing those things in our lives today. He is. And so I want to just illuminate some of these passages to you, get you rolling, get that big boulder rolling, and then just allow it to roll and just allow him to speak to your hearts as you uh, study his word and as you spend time in his presence. And, you know, when we do spend time in his presence, that's when our battles are being fought. And that's what I love about that song, that he fights our battles. This is how we fight our battles. And you're like, well, how do I fight my battles? It's in his presence because he is our defender. He will fight our battles when we jump into his presence and say, Jesus, would you just be here? So Acts chapter 2, um, the scene, I want to set the scene for you. It's uh, incredible things are happening. The early church is being obedient. They were told to wait for the promise of God in Jerusalem. They're assembled in the upper room. There's like about 120 of them in the upper room. The apostles, Jesus' mom and brothers are there. And they're all in the upper room. And they're waiting. The Holy Spirit shows up. Sounds from heaven come down. The wonders of God are being proclaimed out of their mouths, out of these simple Galileans' mouths. That's, that's one of the things that were amazed everybody that these simple people, much like I'm a simple person, what God was doing, people are, this crowd is gathering because they're seeing, they're hearing the sounds, they're seeing these wonders that are happening. They're hearing the wonders of God being spoken by these simple people coming out of this upper room and they're hearing the good news of Jesus in their own languages. Remember, the world is right now in Jerusalem for Pentecost, the celebration of harvest. They're honoring God. God-fearing Jews, God-fearing people from all around the world are in Jerusalem right now to celebrate and to honor God for the harvest. And God is going to bring the harvest, and he brought the harvest. And we know, as we talked about last week, uh, when, when Peter stood up and, and shared, like 3,000 people. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. So, hey, so Acts chapter 2, um, the lighting's funky in here. I'm going to use my glasses a little bit today, so it is what it is as I'm getting older. And so um, Acts chapter 2, um, heavenly sounds are happening, and these Galileans are speaking. They're filled with the power of God, and they're speaking the good news and explaining what is happening with the wonders of God. And and people are hearing it. So this massive crowd gathers to hear. And so we pick it up on, in chapter 2, verse 14. And then it says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. So he stands up and, you know, the modern translation would be like he does the whistle thing, right? I cannot do that. I know some of you can. Hey, text me and let me know um, if you can do that. I'll make a little note. And uh, in the future, when we're gathered up, I'll have you whistle. I know Pam Olson, fantastic whistler like this. I can't whistle like that. He basically makes this loud noise. He's like, hey, you guys, you know, get, getting their attention. And the crowd is gathered. And I want you to imagine, then there's silence. Peter says, hey, hey, listen to the words that I have to say. Not just listen, but listen carefully to the words that I have to say. And then in verse 15, he goes on to say, these people are not drunk. Well, so what's happening here? Why is he saying that? Well, we jump back up to verse 
13, we see the wonders of God and all this crowd is gathering. And again, they're hearing sounds from heaven and, and, and the good news of Jesus being proclaimed uh, to them. And they can hear it in their own languages. And so they gather. And so in this amazing event, even some are, are skeptical. And it says in verse 13, some, however, made fun of them. They were making fun of the disciples because they thought they had too much to drink. And so jumping back down to verse 15, after Peter says, hey, I want you to be careful and listen. I want you to listen, carefully listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? That's what Peter is saying. Understand what's going to happen here as I speak, as I share. He says, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. You know, wow. You got a problem if you've been drinking too much wine at nine o'clock in the morning. If that's you, can I just say, if that's an issue for you, would you call out on the name of Jesus? I'm being serious right now in this moment. Call out on the name of Jesus um, and he will heal you from your addiction. Yeah, there'll be steps that you have to take, um, but he'll bring healing in your life. So so. Jesus is moving through the life of his early church right now through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter steps up and says, I want you to listen carefully. We're not drunk. We are filled with the power and the presence of God. This is what's going on in our lives right now. And so Peter steps up and says this. And we're like, man, this is like a new man. Peter, you know, Peter, you know, is this the same Peter that we have known? that we spent the last three years with, that we actually have known for years and years? Is this the same Peter who stands up boldly and proclaims this truth and says, hey, listen carefully? You know, he was, Peter also back in chapter one, he stood up with the other followers and said, hey, we need to take action here. So Peter steps up and he takes action. We're going to talk about this Peter guy this morning. The message uh, is Acts chapter 2, but we're going to jump around in the early book of Acts uh, this morning, because what I want to do is I want to just talk about Peter. What do we know about this guy? Who is Peter? Who is this guy? So here's your opportunity to text. It's probably one of your only opportunities this morning. Uh, without looking it up, without um, typing in who is Peter in the Bible on Google, we want to know what you know, not what Google knows. I want to know what you know. So can you text me? What do you know personally about Peter? I'll give you a couple seconds. What do you know about Peter? <laughs> Krista, you said you can whistle loud. So good. I'll, I need to take note of that. Oh, Cindy Hess says Jackie Harrell can whistle really loud. All right, Jackie, calling you on that on a mission trip. All right. Hey, what do we know about Peter? What do we know about this guy? What do we know? Well, as, as these things are coming in, all right, Max. Max says, Peter was a fisherman. Yes, Peter was a fisherman. Him and his brother Andrew were fishermen. And did you know they were actually partners with John? Ah, John and James, yeah. So we know he's a fisherman. Marcy says that Peter, even though he was like, man, one of Jesus' best friends, uh, denied Jesus uh, three times. We're actually going to talk about that this morning. Marcy, you've been looking at my notes. Stop doing that. Yeah. Uh, what else do we know? <laughs> Peter was all or nothing, uh, according to Tim Lash. Tim, you're right on the money. Uh, Peter was all or nothing. Uh, Peter, also known as Simon, the rock, all in or nothing man, 
He was a waffler until Jesus finally healed his heart. And that's from Joanna. Yeah, Joanna, great insight. Great insight. Uh, Peter did walk on water. Um, Krista, you, don't, you can take the question mark off. Didn't Peter walk on water with Jesus? Yes. Peter did step out of the boat and walk on water. Um, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> Kim, my sister's tuning in this morning. She's learning about Peter today. That's really good. Thad, you said Peter, uh, the name Peter's rock. We're going to hit on a couple of those. Eric, you said Peter was impulsive. Marcy, Kelsey said that Peter was a disciple of Jesus. Yes, he was. Uh, Peter's nickname must have been Rocky, according to Scott. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Good job. <laughs> Effie's, you're quoting and sent me the quote of the, what I just said a little while ago with Chris Tucker. I like it. Tony Dietrich, uh, Peter had a temper. Yes. And he actually cut off a guy's ear. Uh, we're going to hit that real briefly today, this morning as well. Rick, you've been thinking about this. Rick says he was rash. He's reactive. Peter was proud, but he was a natural leader. Uh, he led with emotion, and many times he acted before he thought. Rick, you've, you've nailed it. You've nailed this guy. That is Peter. Peter is hot-tempered. Judy, you, you mentioned that as well. He had his 15 minutes once in a while, right, Judy? Uh, yeah, he was hot-tempered. Pastor Alex. Miss you, Pastor Alex. Hope to see you soon. He loved the beach, according to Alex, a man after his own heart, right? When he saw the sheet come down from heaven, he was on a roof in Joppa, <laughs> staring at the Mediterranean. I like that. I like that. Good job. You guys know about Peter. This is good. Uh, Andrea says Peter was hot-headed. He was a fisherman. He was a simple man, but he was a dedicated disciple. So good, you guys. So good. And uh, Peter had a lot of bravado. That's from Bill. And then Jody says, I totally identify with Peter. I totally identify with Peter. Well, hey, so we are going to talk a little bit about this guy. What, what is the transformation? What transformation happened from this impulsive, brash, act first, think second, put your foot in your mouth guy? What happened from that guy to the guy we see and we're going to look into the book of Acts, chapters 2, 3, 4, and 5. We're going to read a lot in the Word this morning because I want you to see this transformation and see what happens when God shows up in power in our lives. A lot of times we act out of the natural. And in our natural, God has already given us gifts and abilities. Do you realize that as human beings created in His image, He has already instilled in us gifts and abilities and what happens is when we dedicate our hearts and follow Jesus and he fills us with the power of his Holy Spirit the presence of God living in us those same abilities are now enhanced and you know what he even gives us more and so some of us like right now we're taking these gift tests and we're like oh wow this is interesting I didn't know I had those. Man, I took a gift test years ago, and it was totally different. That's because God, the power of God, is moving in us, and he's creating in us these new gifts and abilities, and he gives us exactly what we need 
when we need it. And so maybe back then we needed those certain gifts, but right now we need a certain new set of gifts. And so the power of God always creating, always moving, always pushing forward. And so that's who he is. And that's what we see in the life of Peter, right? I mean, Peter was an incredible man. He was a follower of Jesus. First of all, Peter started off as a God-fearing man. He was God-fearing. He grew up. He went to the synagogue. He learned. He knew. And we'll see in this passage. He knew the books of the Old Testament. He knew the Psalms. Because we're going to see that in his first sermon. He knew these things already. He was a God-fearing man. And then he was called to be a disciple. And so then he became a Jesus follower. But then we see in, in Acts here, when the Holy Spirit shows up in that room as a pillar of fire and then separates and it lands on every single one in that room, including Peter, now we see this filling and this empowerment to live for to God, to know that God's presence is with them, with him, to know that God is empowering him to live life, to live this new life for Jesus. And then also to go out and be the witness, to be a witness of, of Jesus to whoever God brings in front of him. Right now, in this story here, the world is in front of Peter, and he's going to stand up and share. So many of you have hit on these stories. We, we know that Peter was introduced to Jesus by his brother Andrew. Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist and was with John the Baptist when John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, look, right there, behold, right there is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. And Andrew went and followed Jesus. And then when he met Jesus, the first thing he did was he went home and he invited his brother, Peter. Peter, you've got to come and see this guy. You've got to come. The one we've been looking for all these years, the Messiah, I have found him. And can I just stop there for a moment? And I know this has nothing to do with the rest of what we're going to talk about today. But can I just say, who are we telling about Jesus? Who are we telling? And even take a moment right now and say, God, who do you want me to tell about Jesus? Who can I invite and introduce Jesus to? Church, that is one of our things that we should be doing as being filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we should be introducing people to Jesus in our actions and how we respond to situations. Yes, but I also believe verbally we should be inviting people and introducing people to Jesus. That's what happened here in this story. Andrew invites uh, his brother uh, Peter to meet Jesus, and he does. He meets Jesus, and then what happens? Jesus actually changes um, Simon's name. His name is Simon. He says, I'm going to call you Peter because you are a rock. And upon, you know, and then later on we, we read that Peter makes this declaration that, that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, on that truth, not on Peter, but on the truth that is spoken and proclaimed by Peter that he had received from heaven, I'm going to build my church that Jesus is the rock the firm foundation on where we build our faith and which is church we built upon. So who are you inviting to church? Andrew invited his, his, his brother uh, to, to church, invited him to Jesus. Right now we're not in a building. Invite people to and introduce people to Jesus.
Um, and we know that that Peter was a God-fearing man. And, and so after this introduction and his name is changed later on, uh, Jesus jumps in the boat with Peter and they go out and, and stop offshore. And Jesus is preaching to the crowd when Jesus is done. He said, hey, let's go out and let's go fishing a little bit. And Peter is like, man, Jesus, come on. I'm a fisherman. I know we've been fishing all night long and we haven't caught a single thing. Nothing. I want to go home and go to bed. It's time. And Jesus said, you know what? You know, just throw your nets on the other side. And Peter goes, come on. We haven't caught anything. It's, it's man, I've been up all night. I'm ready to go to bed. So, but they're obedient. They do it. And they, they, have, they catch so much fish, the nets begin to break. They can't even to get it all in. And what was Peter's response? What was Peter's response to Jesus? Now, remember, he had met Jesus. He hadn't started following Jesus yet. But he had met him. It was a profound meeting with the name change and all. So what was Peter's response when they catch all this fish? He literally falls on his knees in the boat and says, Jesus, just get away from me. I cannot even be in your presence because I'm a sinful man. And we don't know really the conversation after that much, but we do know that Jesus says, you know what? For those of you in this boat, you're not just going to fish anymore for fish. You're going to be one who will go out and cast your nets and you're going to fish for men. You're going to bring men and women and introduce them to me. This is what Jesus was saying. You're going to be fishers of men. And so when they got into shore, what does the Bible say? That Peter and the other others who were with them, they left everything and followed Jesus. I'm done with fishing. I'm going to follow this man, the Messiah, Jesus. So that was one of the things we know that, yes, Peter walked on water. We know that Peter was part of the inner three that went up on the mountain, James, John, and Peter. And they witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus. If you've never read that, look it up. The transfiguration is in Matthew chapter 17. Look it up. It's, wow, so powerful what happens. So incredible that Peter says, I think it is in Mark when Peter says, hey, we like it up here. Uh, we should just build some temples up here and we should just stay here because it's so good. But we know we can't live on the mountaintop, right? They have to go back. And, and so they do that. So all these things are happening. Yes, Peter carried a sword. For some reason, a fisherman carrying a sword. Oh, well. Well, we at least you know he carried the sword on the night that Jesus was arrested because he cut off, cut off the ear of the, high, of the high priest and Jesus immediately you know, heals the man right there. And they still arrest Jesus and take him away. And, and then also, Marcy, you mentioned that Peter, you know, he, he denied Jesus three times. At the, at the Lord's Supper, at the Passover meal, uh, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to die. You know, earlier Jesus had predicted his death and Peter was like, come on, this is crazy talk. And uh, Jesus, and, and Peter was like rebuking Jesus. If you want to look that story up, uh, it's in Matthew 16. Peter rebuking Jesus. All right. And says, this is crazy talk, Jesus. No, I mean, you're going to establish your this earthly kingdom. It's going to be amazing. And what is Jesus response? Get behind me, Satan. Peter, you're allowing your own thoughts. You're allowing the world, the thoughts of the world. You're allowing even the powers of the devil to speak right now. You just need to be silent because this is going to happen. I am going to suffer and I am going to die, but I am going to be raised from the dead. I'm going to be raised from the dead. 
And so Peter has these moments with Jesus. And, and at the Last Supper, Passover meal, Jesus is again describing his death. And what happens here? Peter is like, I will stand for you. Even if everybody else falls away, I will even die with you. And Jesus' promise to Peter is like, you know what? Before the, the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. And if you read the passages here, it's so powerful. I, I want to make sure I just give you the correct reference. Uh, when in Matthew chapter 26, uh, when, when Jesus is having this conversation with him, even if I'll fall away, I won't, Peter says. And even if I have to die with you, Peter says, I will not disown you. And then if we pick up the story in Luke chapter 22, when Peter does deny Jesus that evening, P Jesus is arrested. Peter follows from afar. He's in the distance. He's in the crowd. He's around the campfires. He's, you know, in the distance in the shadows. And he's questioned three different times. And it starts off pretty innocent. No, I don't know this Jesus guy. Hey, aren't you the guy that, was, that we see Jesus? No, I'm not that guy. And then... Lastly, he kind of gets brash and he almost even swears and like, I don't know this guy. I'm not with Jesus. At that moment, the rooster crows and somehow he has a glimpse. He can see Jesus in the crowd from where he's at and Jesus makes eye contact with him. Oh my gosh, what a moment. And what happens to Peter? He's heartbroken. He remembers what, what just happened just hours ago. And it says that Peter goes, leaves, leaves that moment, leaves that city, and he weeps deeply. He weeps bitterly. Just man, crazy mourning going on because he had denied, he had disowned his Savior. He had disowned the Messiah. And so this is the Peter that we're talking about. We also know that when Jesus rose from the dead and and Mary came and told the disciples, Peter and John took off running. Uh, Peter was the first one into the tomb. We also know that Jesus restored Peter when Jesus appeared to the disciples three different times. Uh, the, the third time, I mean, more than that, but the third time, um, they're out fishing again. Peter, Peter and them just got on the boat and like, hey, we got to do what we know what we do. And, you know, yeah, we've seen Jesus a couple times, but then he's not with us constantly like he has been. So, so. We're just going to go fishing. And they see from the distance this guy on the shore, and there's a little fire going on. It looks like breakfast is being cooked. And, and John goes, hey, Peter, it's the Lord. And so instead of just rowing casually, what does Peter do? You know, he does that awkward, uh, hey, I'm going to grab my coat, wrap it tied around my, my waist. And he jumps in and swims in or tries to swim. Kind of gets, you know, when you kind of get into about here, into the water, no one can run gracefully. That's not a graceful run through the water. It's an awkward trying to move through. That's Peter just trying to get to the shore to see Jesus. And then once he gets to the shore, they embrace, they have breakfast. And then Jesus has this incredible conversation. I encourage you to look it up as well. Um, it's in John chapter 21. And he has this incredible restoration of, of Peter. And, and he he talks to Peter one-on-one -on -one and says, Peter, do you love me? You know, and, and Peter's response, of course, he's got the other disciples around. It's almost embarrassing that Jesus uh, picks him out of, of the group and says, Peter, do you love me? 
And Peter goes, Jesus, you know. And so when we read it in our language, it's the response of Peter is, Jesus, you know I love you. But if you read it in the original, Jesus uh, is saying, hey, do you love me? Do you unconditionally love me? And Peter's response, Jesus, you know I like you. <laughs> you know I like you. Wow. And then Jesus answers again and says, Peter, do you unconditionally, sacrificially love me? It's agape love. Do you agape me? Do you really love me? And Peter goes, kind of looks around at his buddies like, Peter's response is, Jesus, I hope you know that I really like you. It's not agape love. It's not a sacrificial, unconditional love. It's more of a friendship. It's more of a kind of casual love. Like, hey, we're friends. I hope you know I like you. And then and then Jesus asks again, and then Jesus turns the table. Now, as we read it in John 21, as we read it, it's all says love, love, love. Do you love me? You know I love you. Do you love me? You know I love you. Do you love me? You know I love you. But in the original, it says, do you unconditionally love me? Well, and the response is, I like you. Do you really sacrificially love me? Well, Jesus, you know I like you. And then Jesus is Final response is, Peter, do you really like me? And that like torched his heart. It like broke him. It hurt his feelings, as the Bible says. It hurt his feelings. And he didn't even really know what to say. Jesus, you know, I like you. This is the Peter that we're talking about. And what a radical change from, from Acts chapter 2 to this Peter that Jesus is restoring here in John chapter 21. So what got into this guy? What happened to Peter that now he can stand up in front of thousands boldly and proclaim this amazing word of truth to people? Incredible, incredible. Then I look over the clock and it's 11 o'clock already this morning. And I just turned the page on my notes. Can I just briefly just jump through and I know if you've got to run, you got to run. But I just want, we're in the word right now. And I want to encourage you to stay with me. And I want, I want us to read through some of these passages this morning. On the, and just see the transformation of Peter. He went from this guy who, again, would respond first. Yeah, he had leadership abilities. And, and yeah, he was, can I just say, Peter was a mess. And Jody, you said you can relate to Peter. Come on, all of us, look at Peter. Many of us can relate to, to Peter's responses and how he acted and some of the feelings that he was going through. Whether we're extrovert or introvert, we can still relate to Peter. And, and I want us to see the transformation that happened from this one guy. Now he's a new man because of the power of God flowing in him, living in him, but now actually flowing out of him and through him. And so we pick it up in Acts chapter two when he stands up in front of the crowd and, and he gets his preach on and he is sharing these passages um, from 
the book of Joel and he from two different Psalms and and he's talking about all this stuff. Now remember the crowd he's speaking to that have gathered are God fearing people from all around the world. And they gather because they see the wonders of God. Now they don't, they haven't given their lives to Jesus yet. Many of them haven't. And Peter stands up and I want you to turn to Acts chapter two, verse 36. And he says, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus. Now, many of them have known and heard about Jesus, all right? Many of, even though they didn't have the social media platforms and there's no, no internet, there's no television, there's no radio, word had spread that this Jesus who had been around for the last three years and the signs and wonders that had followed him, that many were, that were God-fearing, like, man, there's something about this guy, even though they hadn't given their lives to him yet. Peter is proclaiming, God has made this Jesus, this Jesus that you know about, God has made him, this Jesus, the one you crucified. I mean, he says it right here, whom you crucified, God has made, this is the Messiah. This is the Lord, capital L, and Messiah. The Messiah that was sent from God, you crucified. That is the message that Peter is speaking here, and, and, and their response is, oh no, what have we done? And then the response right here, if you look in verse 37, they say, what should we do? Okay, so we messed up. We messed up. What should we do? And then if we pick it up in verse 38, and, and Peter's replied to the crowd, the God-fearing world that had gathered and he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to the crowd right then. Now, many, many people, even now today, if you read the different commentaries and the different theologians, say that the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit really showed up to kickstart, to start the church. And then they, it, they pretty much died out with, with, the, with the apostles. But I want to go on here to say that as, as Peter's proclaiming here, I want to say he's prophesying about us today as well. Because he says, you know, you'll receive the power and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you. So to the crowd, he's speaking. Hey, the promise is for you, but it is also for your children. Now, what if you're in the crowd and you don't have kids yet? Well, Peter's prophesying, well, you know, if you have kids, yes, it's for your children. But it's for your children. This message of Jesus the Christ, who was crucified, is now risen. And he is the Messiah. He is the good news. He will save us from our sin and rebuild this relationship. He has rebuilt this relationship with God. This message is and promise is for you, but it's also for your children and for all who are far off. Well, maybe when they go back to their homes, because remember they've gathered for Pentecost in Jerusalem, they're gathered. It's for the message for, hey, you take this message now that you're going, to, you're going to receive it, you take this message back home to those who are far off. And then he also goes on to say, and for all whom the Lord God will call. 
I just believe that that's a prophetic word for the ages. It's not just for the now back here 2,000 years ago, but it's for the children and their children. It's for generations. It's a generational. The good news of Jesus is a generational message. That's why it's important. That, and the Bible says to raise our children up in the presence of God. Raise our children up. Let them know about this incredible Savior that we have. This message Peter is saying is, hey, this message is for you now and for your kids and for those that you take home and for those who are far off in time maybe, right? But it's also for those that the Lord will call. Praise the Lord that he has called us. Amen. And what was the response of the crowd? It says that 3,000, talk about church growth. One message, 3,000 come to know him, come to know Jesus. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about the response to Pentecost from, from the early church. And we're going to jump into that. But today, really, we're focused on Peter. You know, we're focused on him. Hey, we jump over to, to chapter 3, and I'm just going to skip over some of this. But, you know, Peter and John continue uh, their prayer life and going to the temple. Uh, so we look at John chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer. And uh, it's about three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man who uh, was lame, that was sick, uh, was carried up to that uh, the temple gate to, to actually beg. And that's how he made money or the people with him that made money, you know, back in the day. And, and Peter and, and John are walking by. And this guy's like, you know, begging, kind of saying his little things. And... Um, and, and it, it's cool. Let's just pick it up in verse 2. Now a man was lame. So we're in Acts chapter 3, verse 2. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Awesome. This man is going to be healed at the gate of Beautiful. It's a beautiful healing. Uh, where he is put every day to beg for those who are going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him. We're in verse 4. And so did John. And then Peter said, look at us. Look at us, Peter says. So the man gave his attention to them and expecting to get something from them. He looked at Peter and John with expectation. The expectation was for money, something that was temporary. And then verse 6. Then Peter said, I love this, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. So what did Peter and John have? They had Jesus. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I mean, come on, this guy had been, this guy had been sick since birth. He'd been crippled since birth. And, you know, we'd go on later on, and we know that this, this guy is over 40 years old. He'd been, he'd been born and been in this condition for over 40 years. And he is instantly healed here. Remember, this is the same Peter that we've been talking about this morning. And Peter has the boldness to say, hey, I don't have what you're looking for temporarily. I don't have cash. But what I do have, what I have is eternal. What I have lasts forever. I have Jesus, and I want to give Jesus to you. Again, church, who are you giving Jesus to? I know it's 
I know it's hard. I know it's hard to, to speak. And when we're out and about and we're doing our stuff and we're in our routine, John and Peter are in routine. They're going up to pray. And just some random guy who's laying there, they've seen this guy for years. All of a sudden, they turn and they respond and they give this guy Jesus. And we know it's divine. We, we know it's a divine appointment. And as we go on, and we're not going to read it all like I planned to this morning, but man, the church officials, it freaks them out because this guy gets up and they go into the, they go into the temple and everybody's like, whoa, whoa, isn't this the guy that's been at the, at the gates for years? Yes, it's the same guy. He's praising God. He's jumping around. He's hanging on to John and Peter and like, man, these this Jesus has healed me. Well, the temple leaders, it freaks them out. It's, in fact, it says they were in verse, in chapter four, verse two, the Lee's leaders were greatly disturbed. They don't know what to do. So what they do is they arrest John and Peter and they throw them in jail because it's kind of late in the day and uh, they put them in jail overnight and then they call them back the next morning. And then, you know, we pick it up you know, we're in, John, in Acts chapter 4. They recognize, because Peter gets his preach on again, right? And he, he shares this incredible message. And in, in Acts chapter 4, in verse 13, they, they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that these were unschooled and ordinary men. These were just regular guys. I mean, they've known, they had known Peter and John. They'd seen them following Jesus. Because it says, following here, it says, Oh, but they took note. They recognized that these men, these ordinary, unschooled, common men had been with Jesus. The power of God speaking through these guys. Unlike these leaders had ever heard the message of Jesus, they don't even know what to do because everybody around them are praising God. Everybody's celebrating the fact that this guy who had been healed um, who is over 40 years old. We know this, um, I guess, what the Bible is saying. If you look, jump ahead to verse 22. For the man who has been miraculously healed was over 40 years old. I guess I got bad news for you. According to the Bible, if you're over 40, you're old. <laughs> oh, I thought that was so funny when I read it. I actually circled it and highlighted it and made fun of a few of you this week. That I guess you're over 40. According to the Bible, you're old. The point here is this guy had been sick, been crippled for over 40 years, and God miraculously in that moment healed him. Uh, was it Peter and John? No, it wasn't Peter. It wasn't just the words that came out of my mouth. It was the power of God. It was for the glory of God that this happened, and so he brought healing. These were just common, regular guys. And so they, the leaders of the church at that time, the known church, the established church, I'm not talking about the Acts chapter 2, new church. They don't even know what to do. They, they even ask themselves, what are we going to do with these guys? And so look back at, look at verse 18 in chapter 4. And it says, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? So they appeal to them because they are God-fearing. We hope, right? They are God-fearing men. Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you, to tell us not to speak about Jesus, or to listen to God himself, who has empowered us 
who is now living in us and proclaiming the truth of Jesus. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Verse 20. Come on, church. This is us today, too. We should be just like this. We cannot help but talk about Jesus wherever we go. I love that about some of you. You do that. Pastor Alex, you do that. It's so awesome. Pastor Pam, you guys, just as you do what you do, it's all about Jesus. Everything that you do. Bill Collins, I know, you know, just chatting with you. And it's all about Jesus. And that's, that's us today. That's not just for them back then, but that's us for us today. It, it should just bubble. Jesus should just bubble out of us. Because the things that we're hearing and the things that we are seeing God do in us and through us. And when we see God do things uh, in others' lives, that's why it's so important that we're plugged in and we're gathered together, right? So after verse 21, after further threats, uh, they just let them go. And they decide, because they can't decide how to punish these guys. And because, you know, all this stuff is going on. Because the people, let's pick it up in verse 21. Uh, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. Verse 22, for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Such incredible things. Peter, this guy, foot in the mouth, just reacted, kind of brash, rash, whatever we want to call him. Now is a changed man. He is a new man because of the power of God in him. And then, you know, we're not going to read it, but if you want to read it, it's an interesting story. And in uh, Acts chapter 5, when the apostles are walking through, they were just, people were bringing the sick out and laying them in the streets. So as, as these apostles passed by, as the power and the presence of God through these men passed by, Peter, it says that even their shadows passed over them. They were being healed. It's the power and the presence of God. So how did this happen? How did Peter get to this place from being this outspoken, not always right, in fact, mainly wrong, right, to this incredible man who is God is using to start and bring the, the new church together and to kickstart the church. How did this happen? It's the power and the presence of God. Can God only use a man like Peter? No, we see through the scriptures that God will use any ordinary one, right? We're ordinary ones. I'm sorry to say, if you think maybe higher of yourselves than you, you should, we're just ordinary human beings. But God will use us. And when people look at us, they're going to say, man, I don't get it. How can this happen? Because it's just an, these are just ordinary people. Praise the Lord. It's not us. It's, it's all him. It's Jesus. We want to point people to Jesus through our actions and, and the lives that we live, right? Well, for Peter, it was a journey. He was a God-fearing man. He went to the temple. He prayed. He, he read the scriptures. Then he became a follower of Jesus. And then he was filled with the power at Pentecost, with the power of God. And it was set on fire, literally, from the inside out uh, for Jesus. And he was never the same. He was a new man. Can I just invite you church that that same power that same invitation that same progression for many of us is available for us today some of you today are god-fearing i mean you 
acknowledge and honor God. Some of you are like, well, I do. I am God-fearing. I, I do believe in a higher power. I do believe, um, but I'm not sure which God. Can I just say and invite you to be a Jesus follower? That was a progression for Peter, and that progression is still available for us today. Can I actually speed up that progression and say, you can go from being God-fearing this morning to a Jesus follower to immediately being filled with the power and presence of God in your life. That can happen right now in this moment. For Peter's progression, you know, it was, you know, he had to repent. He had to turn from his Peter ways and turn towards Jesus. And then we see that he was restored, that Jesus restored him. And then we see Peter's reliance on Jesus. So it was repentance, it was restoration, and it was reliance. That same progression is available to you even this morning or whenever you're watching right now. You can go from God-fearing to Jesus' follower to be filled with the power and presence of God in your life. What it takes is it takes an honest conversation between you and him. I can, I can pray for you, and I do. I can encourage you, and I hope I do. But I cannot make that decision for you. Church, if I could, I would. But I can't. It's a decision that you have to make. I invite you to make that decision to be an on-fire Jesus follower, filled with the presence of God today. And you just need to ask him for that. It's, it's the repentance from your heart. You turn. Repentance is, is action. We turn from our own ways and we turn and we follow Jesus. And then he fills us with his power and his presence in our lives. To know for us personally, to know that he's with us, but also to live our lives. He empowers us to live our lives for him. And then he empowers us. And now we're his, his voice. We're his witnesses to everyone we come in contact with. The power and presence of God bubbling out of us. It can, we cannot help but talk about Jesus because of what he's doing in us. Church, I invite you to make, to, to make those decisions to follow him today. I invite you to pray and ask him, Lord, would you continually fill me? But would you continue? I don't. Church, we don't want to be filled just to be filled. We want to be filled and empowered to do what he's called us to do, to be vessels that he flows through, not just to fill up for ourselves so we can walk around like, hey, this is great. No, he wants to continually fill us. And so we will flow his presence and give away what he's pouring into us. So we will be rivers. <laughs> you know, the Psalms that say streams of gladness. We will be streams and rivers of God that he is flowing through us. Yes, he wants to do that. So I invite you this morning or whenever you're watching, would you have that conversation with God and say, God, I want more of you. I want to be a Jesus follower. I want to be filled with the power in your presence. I want to live life for you. No longer for me, but I want to live for you. So I invite you to do that church. I want us to be all in. I want us to know that he's with us, that our God is with us, even in the midst of what's happening. I want us to know that he's empowered us to live for him. And then would you be a blessing 
to somebody this week, just as we go, as what he's doing is bubbling inside of you, would you be a blessing to somebody this week? So Jesus, this morning, or whenever we're watching, God, would you, would you speak to our hearts this week? As we read again through Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5, and we just see the power of what you're doing in ordinary people. God, that you can still and still do those things today. Lord, we want to be that type of church. We want to be a church that you are moving and active in. Lord, for those who are watching that need healing, Jesus, right now, through the power of your name, would you bring healing to us? Would you bring healing to those who are watching? Not just wherever they're at. Even if they're over 40, Jesus, bring healing. Yes, do that, Lord. Thank you that you're a healing God and that you're the same, that you still heal today. And then, Lord, help us to live today knowing that we are blessed by your presence in our lives. Help us to walk in that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, thanks for uh, being with us this morning. I know we went really long. I say we. I went long this morning. I just want us to be in his word and know that he is present with us. So God bless you. Happy Memorial Day week. And remember the sacrifices that have been made for us. Be thankful and uh, celebrate with family and friends this weekend. God bless you. We'll see you next week.